Chelsea Fairless, and this is Every Outfit. Ooh, look at you with your podcasting voice. I know, I know. I'm trying to be profesh today. I don't know why. <laughs> well, it's because we're not alone today. Hello. Oh, before well, I could intro her, she said hello. <laughs> Wait, Tat, we have to intro <laughs> no, you first. Sorry. So because we have a very fashion-centric episode this week, we thought we would bring in an expert for reinforcement, someone who can bring a distinctly Australian perspective to the pod. I'm, of course, talking about celebrity stylist and wife of Chelsea, Miss Tatiana Waterford. Hi, babes. Hi, welcome back. Is that babes with an S? Is that me too? Babes with an S. Oh, cool. You too. Thanks. Bye, babes. I feel so much fancier when I say your last name, Waterford. You say it better than I do. No one can understand me when I say it. One thing that is the best. Waterford. (laughs) What? One thing I love about Tat is that her name sounds like a Gossip Girl character because her full name is Tatiana Madison Waterford. That is fucking insane. That is the most extra name. (laughs) I do love you, but your name is extra. Your name is a name for the 1%, let me just say. (laughs) And who am I? Tatiana Madison Waterford. (laughs) So, Tat, I have not seen you in a minute. What's been going on? I know, it's been a while. My mom has been in town from Sydney, obviously, for like a month and a half now. I I know, she's still here. She's still here. We had like a solid two weeks together. All was great. And then she got the Rona. Oh no, how did that happen? I mean, you know. Well, we don't know how it happened, probably just from going out to restaurants and shit. Yeah. You got and flying on planes and shit. It's so funny when you get COVID because you try and like pinpoint like who was the bitch that gave it to me. My mom was doing that the other day. I'm like, I don't know, mom. We We should say you guys are negative and have tested negative multiple times, which is why we're doing this in person. Yeah, we had it like. For those of you who are concerned about Lauren's health right now. Yeah, we got it less than three months, less than two months ago. Yeah. 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 So we... We're good. We're good. We're good to go. We were living in the COVID ward with my mom and we were still good. I know. It's really hard because we live in a one bedroom, which I also work out of. And it has been a full-blown COVID ward. Yeah. Mom was supposed to be in a hotel, but obviously couldn't when she tested positive. So... We took her in, blew up the air mattress, and Chelsea's been out on that ever since. (laughs) Yeah, I've lost access to my bedroom. (laughs) She comes creeping in because obviously my mom was sleeping in. She was sick. So Chelsea comes creeping in on her tippy toes with her hands up like a little dog. Like, <laughs> Well, that's because you have to go through our bedroom to get to the bathroom. So I'm like creeping into the COVID ward, like trying not to wake Tat's mom up. Mommy. Mommy. How's mommy, mommy feeling? She's good. She she got a bad. She was down and out for 10 days or something. But um. But now things are good. Mommy, mommy has moved, I hear. Mommy's moved. Mommy's tested negative. She's doing good. Um, We moved to the Beverly Hills Hotel for a few days. Very nice. As much for us as we did for Chelsea's (laughs) sanity. (laughs) Give her her bedroom back. But we did have a very good celebrity sighting, which I believe that you know about because we have launched, for our patrons, we have launched every outfit celebrity sightings on Close Friends where we are chronicling our our celebrity sightings. And I saw the Batman, or as Tad calls him John Wayne (laughs) Robert Pattinson I get a text from Tat that's like John Wayne's here I'm like (laughs) but you saw Phoebe Waller Bridge I'm very jealous of that I did yeah evidently going to lunch at fancy hotels during the weekdays when you really see celebrities oh yeah award season oh yeah next week should be crazy where are we booking Sunset Tower baby Mm, I'm down Beverly Hills Hotel is really nice. Problematic fave. <laughs> I know. I haven't gone in three years. And my mom was like, doll, I booked a room. And I'm like, fuck, I'm not meant to go there. But we did successfully boycott the Beverly Hills Hotel for at least three years. But, you know, it's five minutes from our house. <sighs> the polo lounge bolognese. I mean, come on. I mean, you probably will see Kim and Pete at some point. I know we miss them. The polo lounge with that. That chopped salad that's like fucking sawdust. Which Do you know what learned, I'm talking about? Yeah. We learned about the history of last night, and it's because it was an old polo player, like back in the 40s, that I guess had an injury with his face and broke his jaw. 
And so when he had a broken jaw, he went with all his friends and he was like, can you make that salad, but just chop it up really, really, really fine so I can eat it with my jaw. And all his friends were like, this is delicious. So now it's been on the menu ever since. Well, do you know the history? Look at you with that history lesson. <laughs> my God. Although I did get kicked out of the polo lounge the other day because I was wearing shorts. She had a Caitlyn Jenner moment <laughs> and just got super pissed. Like, how dare you kick me out? No, they, I, think, what, I think they thought I was a man because I was wearing like, they're, they're long Prada shorts. They're like tailored suit pants. I mean, I, my outfit was cute. I looked good, but whatever. And the man came up initially and was like, sorry, you have to go and change. I didn't care. I went up and left. My mom had like a full Karen moment and was like, can I just ask what the rules are? Because my daughter, and then he obviously like freaked out. Wait, can you, can you tell the story? Can you tell the story of the time when we released our book, you and Chell went to dinner in New York and you asked him for the bathroom? (laughs) Oh yeah, we were at uh, Waverly Inn. Yeah. To be fair, I was in like a full suit. I think he even had a tie on. Yeah. I don't know. And I walked up to the waiter and I was like, hey, which way's the toilet? Did you use that voice? Hey, which way's the the toilet? And he's like, it's down the hall. And then you either go left or right. And I was like, which way should I go? He's like, left or right. (laughs) And I didn't understand what he was saying. And then when I got to the end of the hallway, the men's was on the left and the women's was on the right. He was like, not today. I'm not being canceled by a crazy lesbian. (laughs) Or whatever. However you identify. (laughs) I'm not being canceled by you. However you identify. (laughs) But anyway, so the shorts thing, I went and changed out of them. I came back. We moved to our table. And this woman walked in and she was wearing like really short white shorts. And so my mom's like, oh shit, it's on. (laughs) So the manager came over like, can I check on everything? How are you guys? My mom's like, I just want to know the rules because a woman just walked in with shorts. This man started heading towards her table to kick her out. We were like, no, 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 please don't say anything. Like we're just trying to understand the rules. Yeah, we're not narcs, we're just bitches. Like don't (laughs) kick her out. Anyway, fuck, like 20 minutes later, the girl leaves. She comes back and she was in a dress. I felt so bad. I kicked her out. My in the nineties, my dad was still a smoker at this time, and he lit up a cigarette in a restaurant because he saw these two other guys smoking. And the guy came over and said, "You can't smoke in the restaurant." And my dad went, "Well, those two guys are smoking." And those two guys were like Robert De Niro and his friend. Maybe it was Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, or Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci, or something. And the guy was like. But, and he goes, but those guys are smoking. Uh-huh. And then, and the maitre d' had to go over to Robert De Niro and be like, sir, you can't smoke. Oh, <laughs> that's so good. Anyway, I know you guys have been looking for a new place. Is that going well? I mean, <laughs> Tat's about to have a nervous breakdown. She's really taking the lead on the hunting, which I appreciate. Tat's about to murder me and you guys will just live here. But it's also fucked up because every time we see a house that like there's something about it I don't like, it's like she's picked it out and arranged the... Yeah, I the lost viewing, it so she like day. freaks out we had at me. A huge fight in some random house in the valley. Cause like, we did she, because this bitch. I'm looking at the big picture. I'm like, okay, it's three bedrooms. We've got a garage. Like, I could work from here. Whatever. This bitch looks at me and goes, oh, but the light fixtures though. I was like, oh, it's fucking done. I was like, babe, you book all the next viewings. You hop on Zillow and have a look. I'm out. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's we've seen some kind of good places, but we've also been in some really creepy places. Like we went into this weird house in Laurel Canyon that was like kind of hippie, kind of cool, but we got to the basement and it was just rows of children's lockers, like inbuilt into the wall. With like little kids stickers like peeled off them. But it was like a dark damp basement the low ceiling and it was, it was next to the bedroom it wasn't even down the stairs it was very law and order special victims unit like i have a feeling if you had like some lumisol it would just like light that place up yeah chelsea was like this for sure little boys buried underneath this house <laughs> yeah so- the vibes were off and then we went to and saw this other house that was basically like a drug den like everyone in the house was strung out we couldn't go into the bedrooms because like People were passed out in all of them, except for one bedroom where some guy was just like tweaking and like with headphones and like doing something on GarageBand or something. No furniture. And there, but there was just photos of him and Elon Musk on his wall. Yeah, it was really... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just imagining that if you guys got that place, it would be like the beginning of the Sixth Sense where like Donnie Wahlberg is like strung out in the bathroom. <laughs> totally. Well, also it's like... That house we- was the dream house though. Yeah, but we were looking at it. It's also fun to see like who else is looking at the house that you're looking at. And there was like a group of kids who were obviously like TikTok. trying to start a TikTok house or something. Right. So we're like fighting against 
12 year old <laughs> yeah tiktokers to like find a place to move oh, anyway God. we'll keep you updated yeah we'll let you know if anyone knows of a three bedroom a, yeah double garage la not on the east side no shade to the east side but it's just not practical for tat's job yeah anyway it's rough every day i refresh zillow and it's just like they're all like the shaded out blue like the ones i've already clicked on i don't know dark yeah it is dark is it time to talk about luke guys we've got an exciting update luke's wife called and she has a name it's audrey (laughs) spoiler alert it's audrey thank you audrey for calling in and if you missed last week's episode we got a really lovely call from a guy named luke that we just vibed with and a lot of our listeners vibed with luke too and i think now we're going to use luke just as a catch-all term for our straight male listeners so with that here we go hi lauren and chelsea this is audrey also apparently known as Luke's wife. I obviously had to call in now that Luke has become the new muse for Uncut Gems. I mean, your podcast. He's all the things that you say, but let it be known that he is also my enemy number one right now for hijacking my favorite podcast. I am obsessed with you guys in the pod, and Luke does hear me playing it in the house, but he is not the diehard fan or the man that you think he is. The injustice of the situation is killing me slowly, but I am loving every second. Cut to Friday morning. I'm getting ready for work with the podcast playing. He's in the rec- the room next door, eavesdropping as usual. We hear his call. Probably the most surreal thing that's ever happened. I went through a full range of emotions from excitement to jealousy to anger because he has no remorse and he is eating all of this up. I can't be too jealous about this because I think the love affair is pretty genuine and authentic. All I ask is that that Lauren and Luke get together. Kat and Chelsea will adopt me as some kind of long-term house guest, which only seems fair. Anyway, I love you guys. Being mentioned on the pod has been the highlight of my year. Even if only as wife of Luke, I'll take it. I feel like this is Fight Club where it's like, she has a name. It's Audrey. (laughs) Audrey, thank you so much for calling. She sounds great. I love that Luke has such great taste in women. Well, I mean, if he fucks with this podcast... Obviously, his wife has incredible taste. It's true. But also, justice for Audrey. She's the true fan. Luke is just like... A hanger-on. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't think Luke was acting maliciously, necessarily, when he called in. He didn't even know he would play the call. Yes, but as Audrey has said, he's eating up all this attention. So maybe we should stop saying Luke. Yeah. Actually, we should just now say Audrey's husband. Don't say Luke. (laughs) (laughs) No. So, Ted, how do you feel about this kind of platonic polyamory situation we've got going on? I'll live with Luke. Audrey will stay with you guys whenever you eventually find a house. All right. I mean, can we mate her first? (laughs) wow I continue to be fascinated by this couple I think they're really really the it couple I think we should try and get get Luke and Audrey on the pod uh next week to complete the trilogy the Luke trilogy it's the Audrey's husband trilogy (laughs) in non-Luke related news Kim Cattrall has a new Farfetch campaign Which I think we broke because according to the official PR statement, it was supposed to launch on Wednesday. But as I was driving to the Sunset Tower with my friend Lauren, I got a a frantic text message from Chelsea that was like, I've gotten word Kim Cattrall's far-fetched billboard is on Sunset driving west. (laughs) And I was like, Lauren, keep your eyes out. And it's right before the Sunset Tower. So I like, I had to actually drive. So if you guys enjoyed the photographs that are on our Instagram account, I must say that is Lauren Kramer's work, not Lauren Gray's work. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of, I don't know if that was a mistake that it went up so early or not, but I kind of think it's refreshing to see a campaign debut via physical advertising instead of on Instagram, like every other thing that we hear about, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, I think they need to get it up. Uh, What was starting Wednesday is the hashtag Your Choice, Your Farfetch campaign, which was set to launch globally and in the U.S., specifically in cities like Miami, Los Angeles, and Houston. Which we have been fully doing unpaid spawn for, (laughs) tragically. Can someone at Farfetch, like, can we get a $100 gift certificate or something? (laughs) Because we've been posting nonstop about this campaign. And now we're talking about it. They're pissed off at us. (laughs) The Farfetch creative director, Giannis Ahern... Heron, Ayanna's Heron. That does, you don't sound very <laughs> confident in that pronunciation. Uh, no. Poor Giannis. He said of Kim, Kim is truly an icon, not only because of her style choices, but because of who she is as a person. She is real, a true pop icon, no explanation needed. I need to add that to my lifestyle choices. <laughs> yes, I ate three bagels, no explanation needed. <laughs> I liked this campaign overall. I definitely fucked with the Dalmatian, and I feel like the styling was reasonably good, but 
One thing I noticed is that there's two looks and there's one pair of pants. Did you clock this? I mean, I didn't until you pointed it out, but I mean, I know with this job, who knows? Maybe there was 20 pairs of pants and they were the only ones that fit. This is the reality of styling. It's yeah, not you got to make it work. Yeah, but Tat, there's like 4,520 <laughs> pairs of pants on Farfetch. And I chose this one. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> she chose that one. <laughs> okay, that's one thing I don't understand about this campaign is that the copy for this says there are 3,972 plain blazers on Farfetch, but I chose this one. So you're basically saying there's like thousands of ugly, boring blazers on Farfetch, but you chose the one that was like fun and cool. Well, also the hashtag to use kind of like pro-choice language around e-commerce is a little weird. Hashtag your choice, your farfetch. <laughs> I don't know why it wasn't just like there are 3,000 blazers on farfetch. But isn't like, the joke because it wasn't plain? Like it was printed? Yes, but it's still confusing. Like there's also another one with Josh Hartnett where it's like there's 10,000 denim jackets on farfetch and I chose this one and it's not a denim jacket. Also, they did not choose that one. The stylist on set chose <laughs> And the far-fetched stylist chose this one. Yeah, I think it's just slightly confusing messaging. And I don't know why it couldn't have just been like, there's 3,000 jackets on Farfetch. I'm going to die on this hill anyway. Also, I th feel like we should note that the styling of Kim is not very Kim-esque. It's much more Samantha-esque. Well, yeah, I mean, when uh, our buddy Jonas, the creative director, says that she's a true pop icon and, you know, she's not only famous because of her style choices, they're referring to Patricia Field's work on Kim Cattrall as Samantha. I mean, what is Kim's personal style? I don't even know, except for like denim button up shirts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like... It's, sc it's scatting chic. It's casual <laughs> scatting looks. It's just like monochromatic like body conscious spangly actress shit like whenever she's gone to an award show it's like i'm gonna be in just like a sexy one shoulder like the same shit that sofia vergara wears right you know wait so are we pro this or anti this i can't tell i'm pro this it's genius on the part of farfetch you're just anti the styling I don't even think the styling is that bad. Like, I really love the look with the yellow overcoat and the Prada bag and the Dalmatian. Yeah, I'm into it. You like any campaign that features a dog. This is true. In other Sex in the City adjacent news, there's a hot new collab. That no one asked for. <laughs> no one asked for, which is Manolo Blahnik x Birkenstock. Although we might be in the minority because a lot of people seem hyped about this. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm kind of into it. Are you not hyped? Am I the only one that's hyped? Well, when we first started dating, Chell taught me one simple rule, which is never buy the collab. Never. Yeah, I you stand always by buy this. the original. Yeah. She's like, it's never about that. So I'm surprised you're into it. Well, there's something really preposterous about this. Like, it does feel like a meme. It feels like Frankenstein because they're combining the Birkenstock sandal, the form of the shoe, and then the satin and the Velvet, rhinestone yeah. details and stuff from the Manolo Blahnik, whatever that shoe is called, the Carrie Bradshaw shoe. So there's something about it that is just really campy, but I feel like to rock it, you'd need to be someone like Tat or like Matthew McConaughey in the Beach Bum or something, like a stoner guy. Mm -hmm. in the clogs would mm. be incredible yeah you're right like a baggy levi's yeah or i was gonna say literally sarah jessica parker a lot of sarah jessica parker is carrie bradshaw with the manolo blonics but then if you ever see her off duty in paparazzi photos it's very much like overalls and birkenstocks so mm -hmm. i think she's very happy and mad maybe sjp collection didn't do this first yeah, well, I'm sure Molly Rogers is also pissed. Like, fuck, this would have been perfect for her hip surgery uh -huh. yeah. scene. Did you see the PR packages it got sent in? It got sent in these, like, steel cases. Who are these influencers it got sent to? Because it sure was not us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want one. So rude. I don't know. We've always had a fraught relationship with Sex in the City-related gifting. <laughs> <laughs> we have. We have. Although every once in a while, SJP Collection sends us a candle or something. <laughs> <laughs> we also get SJPX in vivo wine, which I appreciate. Thank you for sending that to us. Still no shoes, though. <laughs> Do we ever tell you this, that uh, Fendi sent us an email and they were like, we just want to let you know. Fendi, by the way, not Fenty. It's a little 
It's a little close. Sorry, Fendi. We're like, in time for in just like that, we're re-releasing the famous Carrie Baguette, the purple one, which we forgot to tell this story when we were doing that episode a couple of weeks back. And no word of like, we'd love to gift you a bag. By the way, there's two of us. Like we could time share whatever we're gifted. And I just want to say we're the same shoe size. (laughs) And it was just like- Shout out to 37. Yeah. And it was like paragraphs and paragraphs. I was waiting for the like, and what's your address? We'd love to send you a bag. They were like, so if you'd love to talk about this on your social media and our manager was like right back and be like oh my god that's amazing we'd love to be gifted a pack yeah and then the Fendi PR person was like oh um actually we're not at liberty to gift anything because the stock is so limited which one is a lie but two in this lie (laughs) why would we then talk about the release of the Fendi bag if stock is so limited wow no one can actually buy it (laughs) (laughs) anyway so fuck this Someone from Manolo Blahnik. We're Birkenstock. Please send us size 37. Just one. Birkenstocks. Yeah, we'll, we'll timeshare them. We'll timeshare them. Although my foot just doesn't look good in a Birkenstock. Yeah, I can't imagine you in a Birkenstock. It just doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, you know. You have such a tiny little foot. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we just get lost in there. <laughs> um... Also, what this press release disclosed, which I did not realize, is Birkenstock earlier in the month sold a majority stake of their family-owned company to LVMH. Oh, okay. So look for Birkenstock. Well, they already did Birkenstock X Dior, which is a nightmare. LMVH just needs to buy them so that they can figure out how to make that comfy, comfy, cushy sole. (laughs) Like, that's why they bought Ramoa, just so they can, like, steal their copyrighted wheels on the suitcases and use it for Louis Vuitton luggage. Anyway. Well, I mean, even if they don't, Birkenstock doesn't do an official collab with someone, every single brand has a Birkenstock. Yeah. Bastards. But never buy the collab, just buy Birkenstock. Unless you want to buy the Manolo Blahniks, in which case, (laughs) great, do it. Send us a photo, please. Yeah. (laughs) And also send us what it's like a week into wearing them on the streets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't wear those on the dirty streets of New York. Speaking of Birkenstocks. Speaking of Birkenstocks. (laughs) Look at you. Look at you doing transitions. She's such a good podcaster. Aww. You know, I have to listen to you do it every day. Wow. Music to my ears. Wow. This is foreplay. (laughs) So this page six article came out this week with the headline, dressing like a lesbian is a sexy, powerful new trend, fashion expert says. And then this was juxtaposed with pictures of like Zendaya in some sort of like pink suit with heels and who was the other bitch in the plaid suit i don't know do we know that do we know her no oh she's um she's the girl in normal people daisy edgar jones okay so of course every lesbian screenshot this and was like (laughs) this is offensive But this article was actually just regurgitated from a Harper's Bazaar article that Jill Gutowitz wrote, who is a lesbian, who you know her, right? Yes, I should disclose I am friendly with her. I would say she was is an acquaintance. But is she the said fashion expert that New York Post is quoting? Yeah, because she wrote it for Harper's Bazaar. All right. I mean, she's not a fashion writer typically, but she's very funny and a good writer. So essentially the idea is that any straight woman wearing a suit, a baggy suede jacket, and a loafer is just mainstreaming lesbian style is what I got from the original article that Jill wrote. Straight people can try and dress like a lesbian, but there's nothing like seeing a true dyke in a suit and tie. Yeah, or like, like the the dyke by the pool at the Beverly Hills Hotel yesterday. There was there was two of them wearing like muscle tank swim tops with longboard shorts and <laughs> flip flops. It's like that's the coolest style to me. Yeah, like, nothing will match that. No, it's true. I think a lot of the problems here were around the photo edits in both the Page Six article and the Harper's Bazaar article because there is a point to be made that lesbian fashion is infiltrating straight, mainstream, high fashion, but it's not the examples that they provided. Like, I think of like, you know how Cardi B posted that photo a couple weeks ago where she was in like a Balenciaga tracksuit mm-hmm. with tabbies? Like, that was dykey. Or like, <laughs> I think of people like the stylist Vanita Carter, who's like, yeah. I think when straight women women are looking dykey these days it's because they're into streetwear and they're wearing like Balenciaga and Supreme and shit like that. Yeah I don't exactly see uh, a straights readopting Linda Perry's harem pants you know. <laughs> <laughs> Linda Perry's well <laughs> Linda Perry was an originator of like those terrible Silver Lake hats <laughs> that I believe like, straight women do, do yeah, wear. In the mid 2000s it was like is that Linda Perry or is that Johnny Depp? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, also, you know, nothing against Jill, but it does kind of take away a little bit from like celebrity style of, I think of Charlotte Rampling, Diane Keaton, you know, these are straight women that wore suits back in the 70s. Yeah, but a suit does not a dyke make. No, I don't, and I don't think Dakota Johnson wearing a suede jacket and baggy pants necessarily reads as lesbian fashion to me. Yeah, I would not read a suit as a lesbian thing anymore necessarily. Is this just wishful thinking that you would like to adopt Dakota Johnson into your sisterhood? I mean, we can keep her. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I think both of us are pretty indifferent about yeah, Dakota I, like, Johnson honestly wouldn't generally. No. But yeah, androgyny's always been present in fashion. But the thing about women in suits, it's like women in suits also wear suits with lipstick, with earrings, well, with heels. Like that yeah. is not dikey. Yeah. That's there's not... a huge difference between an identifiable lesbian versus a straight woman wearing a fitted suit. For sure. But it is totally fair to say that lesbian style has influenced the the mainstream, even though lesbians are always maligned for dressing like shit, throughout history, you can see like Marlena Dietrich and Greta Garbo being part of the reason that pants are popularized for straight women or Jill Sanders suits in the 90s or whatever. Yeah. There have always been designers that fuck with that look, like Demna from Balenciaga, like John Paul Gaultier, shit like that. So there, it's always around, but I don't think there's ever really been a point where average straight women are just like fully walking around looking like Rosie O'Donnell <laughs> in Crocs and... You know, why are you looking at me dead in the eyes when you say this? <laughs> Crocs and uh, cargo shorts. Look, we don't always do it the best, but it's identifiable. And that's <laughs> that's what I love about my fellow dykes, you know? So, yeah, totally. So as a, a straight woman that's appreciated menswear from an early age, you're saying that I'm not appropriating lesbian style? Not no. Unless you own a wallet chain. <laughs> yeah, and like you cut your hair and you have a big boot and like, you know, it's a whole look. Yeah, it's a whole look. And I don't think that it's really necessarily captured here. No, I'm also not offended by a woman wearing a straight woman wearing a suit on a red carpet. <laughs> Although Chell is if they're wearing a straight tie with that suit. Oh yeah, same. I got into it with someone in your comments once about that. She was like, I'm straight and I wear a tie. I'm like, show me receipts. Like, <laughs> well, you know who did wear a, a straight people that wore straight ties and looked good was the Heim sisters mm. at some event recently. They wore those like fresh off the runway Louis Vuitton oh, yeah. dikey looks yeah. that we talked about a couple weeks ago they yeah. looked good yeah they did yeah the heim sisters are are in neither article hmm. yeah that would have been my first example yeah well but you know good on jill for getting a clickbait article going from a harper's bazaar article yeah and also go by she's her- probably fucking horrified <laughs> she like when you're a lesbian on twitter or on instagram all you see is every other lesbian on twitter or instagram bitching about the same <laughs> new york post article anyway go buy her book girls can kiss now which is, by the way, the only reason I think she wrote this article yeah. for her yeah. was to promote her book. Poor thing. They're like, can you just write about some dyke shit for us? <laughs> just something. We'll promote your book. So this week, the world was terrorized by the debut of the reality program Byron Bay's on Netflix. Okay, which <laughs> which one of you fucks made us watch this for the podcast? Um, sh- well, well we, had, we had to watch it. Yeah, and then we watched it and it was like, we obviously have to talk about this. Yeah, so then we had to force you to watch it. Because this is your culture, question This is mark? not my culture. <laughs> the closest thing I would say... Hashtag not my culture. <laughs> the closest thing I would say to the people in Byron here is probably Venice. Here? Here. Here. Or like the kind of Americans that frequent Tulum. That's right. like the kind of person. It's like mainly city people that do a lot of cocaine that have decided they have a spiritual side. Right. I mean, there's obviously a lot of amazing locals and it's a beautiful part of the world. But the origins of Byron Bay, like it was more legit hippie. Yeah, for sure. And it just, it got co-opted as a place to have a summer house. Yeah. I have never heard the term friendship group or I just moved here, you so frequently in a two hour span in these first two episodes. (laughs) Yeah, the amount of times that the word influencer was said was just... Oh, for those who haven't seen it, it is it is essentially The Hills. If you remember that show on MTV, but for Byron Bay, but also like a little bit of Vanderpump Rules as well, except if they were except all... Except they have no jobs. 
except their job as being an influencer. It is one of the most unabashed attempts at being famous because at least in the hills, there was at least a pretense that they all had quote unquote jobs or that they were working. And this show, they're literally like, how do I build my network? And how do I become a bigger influencer? Mm -hmm. Like they're saying the quiet part of reality television out loud. And I've never seen this before quite like this yeah it is kind of fascinating i will say one thing i really enjoyed seeing on byron bay's was the fight between the instagram influencer talent manager and the instagram influencer male socialite the, weirdo. the newbie yes the one who became famous because kim kardashian posted a, a <laughs> selfie of him and he's like proud of that you know like that's his claim to fame he's like i had like eleven thousand followers and then kim posted a photo of me in 2014 and then i woke up with a hundred thousand and now i have 1.2 million (laughs) i'm gonna be all well there is a part of this where it's like i mean i don't not see a little bit of us in this it's like we started every outfit as a joke and within a month we had a hundred thousand followers and it's still like kind of our job so there is a part of me that can't go too hard on this but like i will i will they're terrible human beings yeah. yeah that was so good when he's like i travel the world that's why i have followers in talkie but it's like 70 percent of his followers are from talkie so yeah the, the, <laughs> yeah, the points so- were made by the by the talent manager <laughs> yeah the talent manager it seems in the first two episodes i watched and it seems like you guys went a little bit more forward in the episodes but the talent manager he's going to be the antagonist of the season and his plot point is like this male influencer bought his followers he's not as big and i must be you know the woodward and Bernstein of Byron Bay. <laughs> yeah, as if like he's doing something immoral by buying followers. Like who the fuck cares? Yeah. I also love that he's describing in a testimonial as if anyone that's watching the show doesn't understand that you can go to websites and figure out if people have bought followers or not. And he's like, look, 70% of his following comes from Turkey. <laughs> we know that this is one of the most popular places to buy followers. <laughs> This show is an embarrassment to my country. <laughs> yeah, how do you feel about this? And also, ashamed. what is the Gold Coast and why is everyone shitting on it? The Gold Coast is in Queensland. It's like kind of tacky. Wait, so Queensland is like a province? Queensland is a state above New South Wales. Okay. So what state is Sydney in? New South New Wales. Wales. Okay, what, you should know that. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Because I would write it on the, <laughs> on the letters that you used to send. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, great. Melbourne's in Victoria. Right, okay. And then Queensland is north. So Queensland's like the tropical, beachy kind of... The Gold Coast is like a, you know, city in Queensland. And it's pretty tacky. It's like, they call it... Oh, but that's Brisbane. They call it Brisbane, Bris Vegas, because it's got that like Vegas element to it. It's just tacky. It's like there's there's girls that walk around in bikinis, gold bikinis that put money in the um, parking slots, parking meters for you. Like just walking around the beach, that's the thing. I don't know. It's just that's like, how they that's how what? they make money. No, like when they just people do that so people don't get tickets. It's like they have a name. I forget what it is. They called Wait, like what? <laughs> this is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. I love how Tat's like this place is tacky. There are chicks that just are good Samaritans that put money yeah. in your meters so know, you don't it's get just tickets. Weird. My my grandparents had a holiday house there, so I kind of went there a lot growing up. It's just it is tacky. And Byron Bay people think they're so fucking cool. Not everyone, but the people in this show. So, I don't know. If you come from the Gold Coast, where would that be like coming from here? It seems like I don't, know. I don't from want to offend anyone. Reno or Pittsburgh or anywhere that's not. It's how people from LA or New York treat anyone that like moves here. Yeah, basically. It's like being like, I'm from Florida. Right. Sorry to our Florida listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Florida's great. Florida is great. I've been there three times in the last two months. Yeah, Lauren is addicted to going to Florida. Um, <laughs> but I do have a question for you, Chelsea. Now, do you think we're more inspirers or influencers? Oh, God. Oh, that was the worst. Didn't he say that? Yes. Oof. None of the above. I don't think we really do e- either. And I think it's really fascinating because we first heard about this show because when they were filming it, locals in Byron Bay were protesting it, right? Like literally (laughs) holding protests (laughs) against this show. And also like a lot of local business owners band together and were like, we're not going to let this terrible show shoot in our stores. But I think Byron Bay's may have the opposite impact that they think because I now never want to go to Byron Bay. No, that's If it's not about fair. keeping like at randoms out, it's like, I'm good. Chris Hemsworth sells his $20 million place. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't need that. 
You would love it. We're going to go there one day. Would I? Yeah, you would. So it's eight hours away from Sydney, right? It's like basically saying LA and San Francisco are close. It's like an eight hour drive, but it would be a one hour. Yeah, it's like like a one hour flight, 10 hour drive. It's easy. A tiny little airport. It's very cute. And right next door is a town called Mullumbimby. Really? (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. (laughs) And I love the name. There's like... All so many towns in Australia have these like incredible Aboriginal names like that. And what's the one that you always love? You know it. Come on, Willara, Willahara. No, Willa Willamaloo. Mm-hmm. You got it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So season two in Alabimbi. What was the town? Malabimbi. Malabimbi. <laughs> All right. I feel like my brain's rotting. So I'm gonna bring the mood down a little bit because I have to bring attention to the fact that. Two really important fashion journalists passed away recently. Firstly, Elsa Clench, also an Aussie, who was the host of this CNN weekend show called CNN Style, which I was really obsessed with in the late 90s and early 2000s because it was literally the only place where you could watch videos of fashion shows because this was like pre-YouTube, pre-Style.com even, pre-all of that. Tat, I know you were like five when this show went off the air, but <laughs> Lauren, did you ever watch? Yeah, my mom reminded me that we would, it's Saturday or Sunday mornings that her show aired. I think it was on Sundays. Yeah, my mom reminded me that we would watch this every weekend. So this was probably my introduction to fashion, but I think in my memory, I just made it. I thought this was fashion file, but it wasn't. No. And then I was showing my grandmother, who now lives with my parents, the outline for this week's episode. And my my grandmother worked in the fashion industry in the 70s. And she said, oh, I used to read Elsa Clench's work in Women's Wear Daily. Oh, that's cool. So that's what she did before before she started the show on CNN. She was doing segments for CBS, and that's where Ted Turner found her when he was launching CNN. So she's one of the first shows that launched when CNN launched. And it was also the first show that they pulled off the air once they did the merger, AOL's merger with uh, Time Warner, which is the parent company of CNN. Oh, yeah, that sucks. Which is like notoriously one of the worst business mistakes ever. But also it's like of all the shows to pull off the air, it's the fashion one. OK. Yeah. And how much could that show have possibly cost to make? It's literally just like send her to the fashion shows with a camera crew. I know we talk about this all the time that how the 90s had such legit fashion coverage like whether it was Elsa Clench or House of Style or original Joan Rivers red carpet coverage or even like the VH1 fashion awards at a time where high fashion at least was arguably more obscure and now it's never been more mainstream and there's nothing we have nothing Mm -hmm. it's fucking crazy you guys only have us and that's (laughs) terrifying (laughs) horrible I still watch Elsa because they play reruns at our beloved nail salon Oh, yeah. Butter Nails on Sunset Boulevard. I was in there recently and they were playing this episode where Elsa was reporting on the fall 1993 collection. So it was all like Anna Sui grunge collection and that Vivian Westwood collection where Kate Moss has that giant septum piercing and like looks like a horse. It's You know what I mean? Yeah, our nail salon is just playing some Apple app that I think is like fashion TV. We should just download it. This could be us. <laughs> I don't know why we wait to go to this nail salon. Yeah. Butter nails will definitely be included in our guide to Los Angeles whenever we get our shit together and throw that up on Patreon. But anyway, rest in peace, Elsa. I'll leave the link to her New York Times obituary in the show notes, which friend of the pod, Marissa Meltzer, wrote. I was honored to be quoted in that article because Elsa's just the queen and she means so much to me. So read it. That also legitimized our podcast to my grandmother because she was like, I read this obit and I was like, well, Chelsea's quoted in it and they talk about how she's the co-host of the Every Outfit podcast. She was like, wow. <laughs> Love impressing Granny. So another death that really hurt is Annie Flanders, who is the founder and editor-in-chief of Details Magazine. She's a total legend. I was lucky enough to know her for a brief period in my life, and I could talk about how brilliant she is forever, but I will try to condense this for everyone's benefit. So she started Details in the early 80s, and at that time, it was a nightlife and culture magazine that slowly morphed into a fashion magazine over time, but it was very downtown like all the advertisers were limelight and area and the original Patricia Fields store and shit like that. And 
she once told me, and this was also mentioned in her New York Times a bit, that they would start the work days for Details Magazine at 4 p.m. This has always been Chelsea's obsession. She has talked about this uh-huh. for years. It's major. They start at 4, they stop at midnight, then they go out to the clubs, sleep all day, get their shit together, roll into work at 4, and just repeat that every single day. Is that the schedule you'd like to have here at Every Outfit Inc.? <laughs> Maybe in my youth I would have enjoyed that, but now I don't think I could I could handle that. I know you couldn't, certainly. Tat tat could vibe. I could do it for sure. Yeah, you could totally vibe. But basically everyone major worked for or contributed to details. Like she gave Bruce Weber his first cover. Bill Cunningham contributed to almost every single issue. He covered fashion shows for them and wrote reviews and did the layouts. And that evolved into details doing these fashion issues after every fashion month that were like hundreds of pages long of Bill Cunningham photographs. And it was so amazing because they were not a corporate magazine. They only covered the fashion shows that they cared about. So it was all like, there was no boring shit. It was all like the Japanese and British and Belgian avant-garde designers. They were covering like early Galliano and Margiela and Vivian Westwood and and then all the great New York designers like Stephen Sprouse and Andre Walker and shit. It was just really amazing. And uh, there will never be anything like it again. Unfortunately, like so many things, they had money issues. It got sold to Condé Nast. Well, that's what I was going to... It became a men's magazine, which is how I knew it. That's what I was going to mention is like it's stunning descent into being just a men's magazine yeah well because Condé Nast acquired it and they had the original staff on for a couple of years and then they fired everyone and completely changed the vibe so I didn't even know it had this history until I saw back issues of it in my 20s but same I just when I think of details I think of this one cover with the actor Chris Pine where he's wearing leather pants against a convertible and this again <laughs> speaks to my theory of gay male stylists making straight men wear leather pants as if that's a thing and it's only a thing for Lenny Kravitz <laughs> yeah details as a men's magazine was not interesting to me at all also remember they did that terrible thing that they got into a lot of trouble for where they did like a feature where it was like how to tell if a guy is gay or asian remember that oh my god no that was like a huge scandal even like obviously this predated the more socially conscious time that we live in now but there was an uproar about that in the i don't know Uh, 2003 2010 something like that and george bush may have been president but even then we knew this was wrong (laughs) yeah it is fucked but anyway, so don't don't go back and look at those issues, yeah. but look at the nice like 1982 9 to 1989 if you're lucky enough to have them or do a little Google search. It's the best magazine ever. So rest in peace, Annie. And then we've got more fashion shows. Even more fashion. I thought fashion month was done. I can't believe we didn't notice that there were no like comb brands that showed. It's never really done. It's never really over. (laughs) It just continues. (laughs) To quote Katy Perry, I guess it's never really over. Just Uh, because it's over. (laughs) Does it mean it's really over? Shall we talk about the comb show? Sure. I continue to be obsessed with Vogue Runway's need to bend over backwards to connect this to the conflict in Ukraine. (laughs) (laughs) They really are on a mission. So they tried to connect. For me, the dark beauty of the Black Rose symbolizes courage, resistance, and freedom was Ray Kawakubo's quote for the collection of which they tried to connect that with the conflict in Ukraine. They go, there was no mention of a war in Ukraine. As conceptual, non-narrative, and elusive as she is, you never expect to see or hear her directly referencing current affairs. It's like, because she's not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, does this collection seem somber to you? Shocking. They fucking always are. are. (laughs) Yeah. We're lucky we got a zebra print in this collection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I, the last time we talked about one of their shows, I think I said that it reminded me of clinical depression. And this one also reminds me of clinical depression. Although there's a grandma-esque element to this one. That's what I was going to say. It's Aren't like, like all their shows kind of the same? Like that's not a diss, but you just like get what you want from them. I don't think they're always the same. <sighs> when you look at it from the beginning, like they used to do shows that were, I don't know, different than the ones they're doing now. Now it seems like most of the shows that they do are just like wearable sculptures, basically. Although I think with this collection, yeah, there are a lot of looks that would be 
impractical and will never be manufactured. But there also were a lot of just like normal coats and jackets and shit that I can imagine people wearing. But when with the styling, everything looks so over the top. Yeah. But always love to see what mom does. She is the best, although she's depressed and I'm concerned about her, as I have been for years now. <laughs> Junia? I love gothy Junia. Might also be depressed. Very goth. I'm obsessed with looks 16, 17, and 18. The like deconstructed military bomber jackets as dresses. Oh yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. I wonder what it's like to be Junior sometimes because does he just look at a bomber jacket or a motorcycle jacket? How is he like, oh, I'm going to do this again? Uh-huh. Like how, how many leather jackets do you think this man has deconstructed? Yeah. Hundreds? Thousands? Like I don't even know how you approach that at a certain point. I mean, you can ask the same thing of Rick Owens. I mean, there's something lovely about, and you only see this in singular designers, right? Not usually designers that work for other houses where they have a concept and they just reinterpret, like reinvestigate again and again. Sure, and he's definitely reinvestigating. I mean, we've definitely seen many goth patchwork offerings from this man, but I think it was a nice palate cleanser after the truly deranged Jamiroquai Mexican textiles that didn't pass the vibe check collection from last season. I don't remember if we talked about it on the pod or not. I can't remember either. Anyway, Burberry. Look, should Ricardo of Tishi never have left Givenchy? Probably. But he's doing the best that he can with this very <laughs> narrow heritage he has to work within at Burberry. Do I like the idea of a, taking a classic Burberry trench and making it a ball gown? No, I don't. Oh, see, I, I do. Yeah, I love really? it. That was like my favorite look. Or the big yellow, like big bird one. You know what? I was thinking when I was seeing that every time someone reworks a trench coat into a gown, I always fuck with it. Yeah. I don't know I agree. why. Yeah, I like it. I was into it. I don't know how much I care, actually. I think there's some strong pieces, and I think that, like, if you go into a Burberry store, there's always beautiful clothes, but there's something about the total vision that I guess I don't really vibe with. I think also, like, while the the presentation of the models, like, they all look, like, ghostly, and it seems kind of gothic, right? But when you look at the clothes, like, the silhouettes are very traditional. It's, like, midi skirts. It's blouses. It's, like, there's nothing really that edgy about the silhouette, which I I find to be interesting. I don't know. I think my favorite thing about this show was just the videos of Adam Driver, who's now the face of their perfume and therefore obligated to go to this show, just looking confused. Because the, the <laughs> runway setup was a gigantic table. It felt very eyes wide shutty and like people having to help the models on the table. And then the ta- this table was a runway, right? Yeah. Because people are like Adam Driver's on the ground, just sort of staring at everyone <laughs> and everything, trying to understand what's happening. <laughs> Love that. Also, what a move to make everyone come back to London after Paris Fashion Week. They're like, guess what? Another one. They Never were there. Really over. <laughs> I just, that Another. is such a fucking move not to actually just have done the show during London Fashion Week, yeah. but have the balls to think that people will Our rebook and re get flights, divert their flights back to New York it's to a case London. for the FBI. How anyway, yeah. thinking about the logistics. Yeah. She is. <laughs> I'm about these dollars and cents. She's like, hang on. But again, why isn't it during London Fashion Week? I don't know. People, I never understand the timing of any, any shows. Yeah, same. All right, enough about this fashion shit. Kardash. Tat, you ready to talk Kardashian? Kardash, <laughs> a holics anonymous. This is a case for the FBI. I feel like anyone that's stuck around to listen to this segment, I feel like I don't need to give the chronology of how we got to this place, but I, I will. It, it, it starts. <laughs> I know you already know what I'm talking about, but I, I'm going to tell you again anyway. To be fair, so much shit has happened in the last three or four days yeah. that it's like, wait, where, what set this off? And it started Sunday morning when Kanye West was on Instagram Seemingly upset that Northwest was at a sleepover and because he moved Sunday service for Saints basketball game was mad that she couldn't attend because she was at a sleepover. And I have to say, I don't know about you guys going to sleepovers, but you don't want to be that girl that gets picked up early no, to go to like, your Dad, church. I've seen this shit a hundred fucking times. Yeah, like, like she you... doesn't want to go to fucking Sunday service. No, I'm with my friends like on TikTok. Leave me alone. How many times can she watch this choir sing the same Adele song? Like, yeah. It's... 
He also told a story about that I guess we're meant to understand is Kim keeping the kids away from him. But when he did one of the Donda 2 releases in Miami, he was, you know, he got a private jet for all the kids. And then he was only told after the plane took off that North wasn't on it. And it's like, North is the eldest. Do you think maybe she's coming of consciousness? And it's like, I'm good. I don't need to fly six hours. I have school tomorrow. I will be tired. Yeah. Team North. So then this forced... When I saw these Pete text messages, I was like, I don't understand what's happening. It's coming from a different account. What's going on? But Pete's friend and co-writer published a series of text messages that Pete wrote to Kanye. It starts with, yo, it's Skeet. Can you <laughs> can you please take a second to calm down? It's 8 a.m. and I don't got to be like this. Kim is literally the best mother I've ever met. How many mothers has Pete met? But fine. I, I think he's met probably more than any of us put together. <laughs> yeah. Again, if you're listening to this segment, you've seen the text messages, but I think... But Lauren is still going to read them, <laughs> which I do find to be quite hilarious. <laughs> no, but the, I think the best cell phone is Kanye being like, where are you right now? To which Pete writes, in bed with your wife, and then sends a selfie. But it's like, Kanye, what did you think the answer was going to be? <laughs> I mean, that was that was a choice. That was it. I mean, that text exchange made Pete hotter to me. Yeah, me too. I watched that Trevor Noah thing, though, that he talked about this whole situation. And it was true. It's like in the same sentence as he's like, I can help you. You know, I deal with mental problems, too. He's also like, but I'm going to show you something that's going to trigger your mental health problems even more. I'm in bed with Kim right now. You know, the, things are not black or white. They're, yeah, they're somewhere Kanye's in the gray. Kanye's being such a dick. I also like the reveal that Pete has been basically forcing the SNL writers not to talk about Kanye. Which makes sense. Which makes it's, sense. It's been quite the oversight the last few months. However, I wish they would. I feel like they have to now that Michael Che has been dragged into all of this. It seems like everything is fair game at this point with the release of those text messages, the fact that Kim is legally single, and then also this preview that came out yesterday of Kim on Ellen DeGeneres, which I assume is airing today, tomorrow, I'm not exactly sure, where Kim, who's like ripped a page out of Pam Anderson's playbook between the latex dress she's wearing and like the giggly, Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. super in love giggly persona, where she reveals to Ellen, and Ellen is all of us in this clip, where not only does Pete (laughs) Because the the thing that was revealed in the selfie is people noticed that he got Kim tattooed on his chest. And she's like, well, actually, that's not... Again, if you're listening to the segment, you know what she said, but I'll say it anyway. (laughs) It's just funnier to hear you. (laughs) That it's not a tattoo of her name. It's actually a brand. He branded himself. I love the way she said it as well. She's like, it's branding. And at first I didn't understand what she meant. And then she does the hand action of like, like, you know, (laughs) you know, like branding. (laughs) She might as well have just been like, you know, branding... Yeah, yeah, like a cow. I guess because she let it be known to Pete that you're a tattoo guy. I just thought that's what tattoo guys get. He's like, I got to do something more. Because it seems like he first got a tattoo of the word K is what it sounded like she said. She's like, first tattoo, K, okay, that's cute. And then the second tattoo, which I think is the best, Mm -hmm. is my girl is a lawyer, which presumably he got after she finally passed the baby bar. He should get it right by the Hillary Clinton tattoo for continuity. (laughs) Guys, they've only been dating since October, right? Yeah. Tat, thoughts? (laughs) Um, I said at dinner last night, sitting with Chelsea and my mom, I was like, if I was fucking Kim, I would also get branded. I would get Kim branded across my forehead. And Chelsea was like, excuse me, why don't you have my name Yeah, where's my, where's... (laughs) Let's get you branded. I said I would if you wanted me. When we first started dating, I was like, I want to get your name tattooed on me. She was like, absolutely not. That's a kiss of death. Yeah. So you didn't let me. But best believe if I well, now you're yeah, Now you're about to get branded, so. <laughs> uh, Lord. I, I mean, let us not forget the infamous Johnny Depp Winona Forever tattoo that he switched to Wino Forever after they broke up. Which turned out to be true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that really was a cursed tattoo. They're obviously not going to stay together. Like, he got a brand of her. But whatever, he was always with her. Like, I don't think that's, like, off-putting to another girl. Oh, because... Well, he got his Ariana Grande tattoo removed. He can get my girl as a lawyer. Yeah, but you can't get Kim removed. And that's what's so cool. I fuck with it. I'm... I would do the same thing. He he branded himself like... Terrible take. He branded himself like he's in Nexium or something. <laughs> so we also got a new trailer for the Kardashians upcoming Hulu series. The family is really giving us a lot this week. 
Well, they're in full-on press court mode right now. It started last week. We were like, why would they drop this Variety article so far ahead of the show? But little did we know. We'll be well-fed for the weeks to come. You were watching this trailer right before we started recording, and you were like, hold on, Kendall is doing a sound <laughs> bath at her house? I was like, you didn't notice that the first time? <laughs> I didn't. I think I was just so overwhelmed by everything going on that there are certain things that just fell through the crack. Like, I also did notice that Kris Jenner was in a bubble bath with a full face of makeup drinking a martini. That was fabulous. It got me. It looks emotional. Yeah, I think the biggest reveal of the trailer is that Courtney and Travis want a baby. Yeah. And are trying for a baby. And another clip that got leaked or was given to another press outlet that was promptly taken down, Courtney discusses how the IVF medication pushed her into menopause and maybe made her gain weight. All right. Well, also, Kim says that Kanye told her that her career was over. Oh, yeah, once they broke up. Yeah. I mean, joke's on him. That's not abusive, narcissistic behavior at all. One thing that I really liked is that this is the first time we've seen Balenciaga Kim doing those confessionals and stuff. And she's in the full looks. You also see the behind the scenes of her Balenciaga campaign in the teaser. But one thing that I thought was really fucking funny was when it was like a confessional and she was wearing the Balenciaga things like with the gloves. But like she was obviously like off camera. And that's when the person's like, oh, who are you texting, Kim? But, like, she had to take one of the gloves off <laughs> so to, be able text, to, text. to be able to text him. So it's, like, probably not giving what she wanted it to give. But I find, yeah. found that to be so funny. Demna hasn't figured out what J.Crew has, which is whatever that those... technology. Yeah, that they, pads yeah. they put on the gloves. Yeah, so Demna really text. needs to work that out. Because those cat suits, you should be able to text. That totally fucks up the look if you have to take, you know... You know what's creepy is leather gloves you can text with. Oh, yeah, because it's, like, it's a like skin. skin. Yeah. Well, you could also text with, like, a hot dog. <laughs> I've seen someone do it. Well, that's what you were doing with a hot dog the other day. Yeah, that's how I text. You don't have a stylus. You just keep a cold hot dog in a stationary cup on your desk. Uh, oh, that kind of style. A stylus. A stylus, yeah. Uh, like yeah. a pen stylus, not yeah. a stylus. But at the end of the trailer, it got really mafia it got really Godfather. Well, they literally invoked the line from the Godfather, you never go against the family, which, by the way, guys, 50, 50th anniversary of the Godfather. Chell, Patreon episode. Oh, great. I'm down. So we also got Skim Swim released this week. Yeah, I guess it's officially buy it tomorrow. And by we, I guess it's me. Am I buying? I'm I mean, buying we're all it. buying Skims, yeah. I think. There's something for everyone. Still not on that PR list. <laughs> Do we need to make that like a like a calendar? It's like day 57, still not on the, on the Kardashian PR list. There really is something for everyone. What if it was like you can be on the PR list but only pushes? I don't want that because then they'll just send me like vital proteins and like shit I won't use. I'm down. I don't, but we don't need like another jade roller. Well, we do because you dropped mine in the toilet yesterday. So It's jade. It's not porous. It will be fine. <laughs> See, because we have like, we're in such a small space right now, there's not enough space in the bathroom. So we're constantly like knocking things <laughs> off of the shelf. It's falling into the sink. It's falling into the toilet. It's a nightmare. I invited her to come to meet us at dinner last night and she called me nearly crying and was like, every outfit I put on, I can't find one thing. I can't find my tabby sock. So I had to change the whole outfit. I can't <laughs> find the right handbag. So I have to change the whole outfit. So that all happens, whatever. I'm sitting in the room with my mom and she's like, oh, Tat, can you have her bring some self-tanner for my face? So I'm like, oh, fuck. So I call her back. I'm like, Hi, babe. She's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, can you grab the self-tanner? It's in the bathroom. I know exactly where it is. So she's on the phone to me. She grabs it. And then I just hear like crash bang. And she's like, fuck. <laughs> like, what? And she's like, everything's in the toilet. I've got to go. <laughs> and then just hung up on me. So Poosh, please do send us the PR. Sure, whatever. I'll take what I can get. I'll take Arthur George at this point. <laughs> Does that still exist? Yeah. Whoa. Lauren, what skim swims are you buying? Swim, skim, swim? It should have just been called... Swims? Squims or... Not squims. <laughs> swim. Squims. Okay. Yeah. Squims. Because skims swim is like redundant. Like there's got to be some overlap there. That's a missed opportunity. Not squims. Anyway, what are you getting from squims? Probably like a classic bikini. What do you think I should get? Hmm. 
Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I could see you in those shorts. I'm a little um, disturbed by the swim bike shorts. By the shorts with yeah. the top. It works for Kim in a photo shoot, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know who's wearing that to the beach. What else? I don't know. Yeah, just a classic bikini. I like that blue color. The monokini? What's that one? It's like a, it's just a. Oh, yeah, that's very you. Like oh, the, the cutout, cutout. Yeah. the cutout one that's asymmetric. Yeah. I can totally see that. I feel like you have a swimsuit like that. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about the skims swimming tube skirt. No. Maybe as like a. Cover up. Yeah. I think that's cute. You know, when you like have breakfast. All right. Well, that was fun. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for <laughs> Ted equally feels our pain in ending an episode where it's just sort of like, can we just leave? And it's like, no, we have to okay, we bye. actually have to wrap it up. Thank you for joining us, Tat. Huh? Thank you for having me. <laughs> and uh we'll be back next week. We will. Talking about more stupid bullshit. Well, we'll be talking about a sex in the city episode. Oh really? Yeah. So stupid bullshit then. What episode should we talk about? Well, a patron is going through a breakup and we asked her what she wanted us to talk about and she would like us to talk about the first episode of season four where Carrie turns 35. Okay, great. We'll do that one. What's it called? Agony and Ecstasy? Great. All right, guys. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks, Tab. Anytime, babe. Bye, Bye. Bye.